I was your typical consultant, or at least I think I was and am. I set up, got a few clients, got more clients, got super stretched and hit a glass ceiling in terms of income. But after 15 years in business now, I've learned a few strategies for growing and scaling a consulting practice that doesn't involve taking on more clients. Tune in to find out how. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello and welcome. I'm very excited about the next three episodes of the show because this is the heart of what creates leverage consulting, which for those of you who don't know me is the title of the book I published last year and what led to the Leverage Business Podcast. In the beginning, I was your typical consultant, or at least I think I was, and I am. I set up, got a few clients, got more clients, got super stretched and hit a glass ceiling in terms of income. If you hear me and you're feeling a bit stretched, overwhelmed, or just stuck, the next three episodes are for you. And if you're not there yet, focus on networking to build your pipeline and marketing for lead generation. You need to get in front of people and have more conversations. And these three episodes will help you see how brand positioning, working collaboratively, and delivering in more leveraged ways can help you grow faster and avoid the overload and burnout many consulting professionals face as their client load increases. I'd had a long career, perhaps more varied than some, but decided I'd had enough working within the lines of an increasingly dysfunctional environment that was causing more stress than joy. Maybe it just wasn't for me. I set up on my own and having built up a good reputation within my industry, I didn't really have to market myself. The work came in through existing contacts and word of mouth referrals. Within a few months, I was earning twice the money working half the time. Perhaps then the whole concept of leveraged consulting was born. Who knows? At that point, I just thought, great, good decision, right? For years, I worked with a handful of clients three to four days a week, and in a year, I'd probably got a client base of around half a dozen organizations. Within three years, it was around two to three times that. Some were one-off pieces of work, and some were repeat clients, and some were retainers where we'd do a specific piece of work for them once or twice a year. My income was good, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be either. And there were three key ways I fixed this. And that's what we're going to cover across these three episodes, focused on how to increase your consulting income without taking on more clients. The first is to focus on getting repeat work from existing clients, while at the same time start saying no to things with new clients that don't fit the core of what you do. This means working at the top of the tree and where it makes working collaboratively with others so you can take on bigger high ticket engagements. The second is to focus on attracting great clients who love what you do, applying a velvet road policy to who gets to work with you, increasing the efficiency of your operational processes, and start gradually increasing your price points as you get better and faster at delivering results. 
The third way to increase your consulting income without taking on more clients is to create a packaged premium offer for things that you do often, that you're familiar with, and that drawing on your framework, curriculum, and toolbox, you can deliver faster clients in what feels to them like a bespoke manner. This totally beats the time and effort overhead of creating customized and time-consuming projects for every client. The first approach, which I'm going to talk about today, is the hardline strategy all about doing more for fewer. It starts where most of us start, which is saying yes to everything to the point where you have more work than you can do alone. And there are a few things to focus on that help you increase your revenue without taking on more clients, or more accurately, increase what you can earn with the time you spend. One is focus on doing fewer things for more clients. Two is focus on doing more things with your existing clients. Three, focus on doing work at the top of the tree, as I mentioned. And four, focus on working in collaboration with others. Let's go into each one in turn. So one, focus on doing fewer things for more clients. And when I say more clients here, I mean if you have a set client base that's your income ceiling in many respects too, you can make life easier if you do similar things or the same thing for all of them, give or take a little customization. For me personally, I'd got to working four days a week, pushing up to five and into my weekends because I'd got in that mindset of not knowing where the next client was coming from. So riding the peaks so I could survive the dips. That feast famine roller coaster, I have to say, it took me seven to eight years before I stopped worrying on that score because I knew I'd always find the next client, the next contract. Anyhow, in those early years, I was doing all kinds of different projects and I was building associations and partnerships with other consultants too, in order to deliver them. Although we were mostly in the non-profit, we hadn't really got clear on our unique brand positioning at all. So we leaned into our evaluation expertise and experience of designing and delivering evaluation for innovation projects, particularly e-learning projects and change programs generally. It's only later that we started to focus again on digital transformation as a way to break into new markets. So the second one is focus on doing more for your existing clients. It's faster and easier to do more work for your existing clients than to find new ones, right? Most consultants make the mistake of only asking for more work at the end of an engagement or assignment. They believe they have to have delivered first before they've proved their value. Depending on your process, there may be an element of that, but if you are regularly checking in on progress and highlighting what's been accomplished, the client already values the work you're doing to help them. I remember one client saying, Jay, you ask all the right questions and you've got so many insights. Can you stay with us? Building milestones into a project is one way to implement this, but more importantly is the effort you make in client management really making the client feel that you understand them, that you get their situation. I was just listening on a training about strategy calls with clients and this came up. I mean, importantly, we might call it customer service or client management, but as a consultant and coach, it's a lot to do with deep listening, with noticing things and perspective taking, a kind of intellectual empathy. It's also an opportunity to capture what else is coming up for them that's outside the scope of the current piece of work. When you stack projects with a client like this, your revenue increases without increasing the number of clients you're juggling at any given time. Now, the third one is to focus on doing work at the top of the tree. 
it's more profitable and ultimately more fulfilling to do work that's complex and charge high ticket fees than to do low-end work. This way you step above the norm of what you do, you stop being a commodity, there's less competition and you can charge more per client. This applies particularly to your high-end services and programs where the engagement is longer and the end result or gains you promise to deliver require more transformative or higher order solutions. If you're an accountant doing someone's tax returns or a designer creating a specific output, that's hard to scale unless you duplicate yourself, bring on more people who can do what you do. But if you're an accountant who resolves complex tax situations and brings a big benefit compared to a regular accountant, that's a different story. I talked a little while ago with a guest, um, a good friend and colleague and partner of mine, Gaynor Gosling, and she specializes in R&D tax credits. So as an accountant, most accountants actually don't have that specialist knowledge and they don't have the experience of digging into the technical details of making an application. So she and the group she works with have really carved out a niche for themselves. In the industry of small to medium-sized enterprises and working with SMEs, they've really carved out for themselves what's become a strong brand position. If you're a designer who's come up with a totally innovative solution or a different way of doing something, again, different story to someone that you can hire on Upwork. It's all about the value and about the brand positioning. And the difference in what you can charge is whether what you do is rare or just a commodity or something that most competent people in your profession could carry out. Myself and a couple of associates focused on education and e-learning and the work flowed in. Unashamedly, we were riding the wave of a lot of funding for innovation and development in higher and further education, both UK and European funding. We were fortunate to have some big programs going on, but we were quite prominent as evaluation consultants. So we leaned into that as our brand position and became the consulting company of choice. But as the saying goes, all good things come to an end and the funding fountain went from a gush to a trickle, not helped as the years went on by referendums on Brexit at that time and then Brexit. I kind of saw all that coming quite early on since it was happening in other industries we support too, such as local government. And it didn't worry me too much because I was always really feeling much more personal fulfillment from the work we did with businesses. So with all these changes, I began to strategize on what now. And this brings us to the fourth approach to working smarter, not harder, and our fewer things for more people hardline strategy. Number four is focus on working collaboratively with others. When I turned my attention to supporting small businesses, leveraging my experience in business and setting up internet-based businesses and my skills in digital marketing, I joined a national business advice group and teamed up with another partner to bid for contracts. We started to win contracts to deliver regional business development support to SMEs. We brought others in to increase our fulfillment capacity. This was exciting. And that eventually took me into working for one of the big four type consulting firms, A very short stint, in fact, that's a different story. I was doing strategic reviews, business planning, financial forecasts, operational improvement. And I came full circle back to digital transformation. For my own business on the consulting side, it was a great stepping stone to expanding the industries we worked in from education predominantly to other non-profit sectors. 
It also made me realize that I really enjoyed working with small businesses, joining up education and digital tools with enterprise and entrepreneurship. The consulting services stretched into mentoring and implementation support, and currently I'm focusing on business coaching, both contracted and my own program, which I talked about in the previous episode. This has all happened over many years. Since I started out as that typical consultant, we're now in the 15th year of business. On the one side, you can see that what you do, who you do it for, and how you do it is capable of evolving. And at the same time, you can expand your capacity by working in a collaborative team, whether or not those are partners or associates or employees. Working in collaboration with others is something we've done a lot of in my business. It can feel like a chore, an extra layer of complexity, but it's also a great source of creativity, skills and shared workload. And with this in mind, I've invited one of my clients in our ACES program, Janice Francisco of Bridgepoint Effect, as a guest to talk about collaboration to produce results, her flagship program for executive leaders in business. So watch out for that episode coming in the next few weeks. Better still, subscribe to the podcast so you get alerts when new episodes are released. So that's it for the More for Fewer Hardline strategy. Let me just summarize. Number one was about focusing on doing fewer things for more clients. Number two is focusing on doing more things with your existing clients. Number three, focus on doing work at the top of the tree so you can earn what you're worth. And four, focus on working in collaboration with others. Working on those regional programs and contracted services, I was essentially working with other people's clients. And it taught me a lot about working with people you haven't selected yourself, as well as working and managing a team. And that brings me to the next part of what we'll dive into next week, using a velvet rope policy, an application process, to ensure you're only working with clients who respect your values and approach to the work. So that's it for today and we'll pick this up in the next episode. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.